Hello and welcome to this episode of the Educators for Social Justice podcast. My name is Sharita Love and I am your host in partnership with Educators for Social Justice or ESJ. Educators for Social Justice is a grassroots, teacher-led professional development group located in St. Louis, Missouri. We believe that educators are public intellectuals who gain strength and wisdom through working with other educators, parents, and members of the community. Our mission is to develop and support socially just, equitable, and sustainable practices in schools and communities. The ESJ podcast seeks to provide authentic voice for educators who are doing social justice work in classrooms, schools, and communities. We celebrate a diverse group of teachers and students by discussing their successes, struggles, and visions in effectively implementing social justice education. We invite you to listen and challenge yourself to think about how your work can connect to social justice. Today we welcome Dr. Sarah Riss. Um, she's a former superintendent of the Webster Grove School District in St. Louis, Missouri, and current associate with Education Equity Consultants. Uh, I am going to let her tell us more about herself. Um, I won't read like a long bio or anything. <laughs> We're just going to chat. Okay, welcome, Sarah. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. Good, good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I always like to start off by just checking in and just asking what is new and good with you, and that just can be anything from it's a nice day outside here in St. Louis to what you told me earlier, your husband is making some ribs today, so you're <laughs> excited to get home and eat some barbecue on this nice day. So I'll just check in to say what's new and good with you. I would say new and good with me is just I love working for Education Equity Consultants. Mm -hmm. And then I also do some lobbying work in Jeff City. Now, I can't say that's always new and good, but it's always fun, <laughs> and, it's always fun and interesting. Yeah, I bet. So. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I, I would love to learn more about that. Yeah, both, that's pretty interesting. Right, yeah. both on uh, this platform and off. We can talk more about that um, just because – there's a um, specific need for the space of um, political voice, I would say, when we talk about education, not just here in Missouri, uh, but across our country. So um, just tell, take a moment to tell our listeners more about you, um, what you do when you're calling to the work of social justice, just because um, I know you as a former superintendent when I worked in the, in the district, but then also um, some of your work that has continued um, after that career. So just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I really, I, I kind of want to go back a couple of years, sure. probably more than a couple, because I think that defines who I am. Mm -hmm. um, my first administrator's job was at a laboratory school, mm -hmm. Illinois State University, a very diverse group. Yeah. And we were allowed the opportunity to go into the inner city of New York and oh, wow. spend time. Yeah. I didn't and, know that about yeah, you. Yeah, in a local high school. Mm -hmm. And I was there actually during the LA riots. Mm. And so to um, be in an all black high school in inner city New York and see the response of what the kids were living in and understand the inequities, mm. you know, we saw it hit us in the face. Yeah. You think there's inequities in St. Louis, the inequities in New York City in terms of the caliber and the facilities the kids mm -hmm. were living in mm -hmm. was just unbelievable mm -hmm. and I really felt like after I ended that experience if I ever had the opportunity yep. I needed to get out of the academia school life mm -hmm. and move into public school life because I I just believed yeah. it's going to sound a little elitist but that great educators need to be in all types of schools mm -hmm. so I guess I consider myself a great educator. that's right that's so right. a little bit of a elitist <laughs> statement there um, so then when I came to St. Louis I had the privilege of opening a school at um, Riverview Gardens at mm -hmm. Bowling Elementary, and mm -hmm. and um, what a great experience! You know, people would tell me things like, 
you know, they're not going to come. And they, you know, that quote, yeah, quote, yeah, they're yeah. not yeah. going to come to your yeah. PTO meetings or you're not going to be able to get those, those parents, quote parents. unquote, yeah. involved in your school. And, um, you know, I just thought people just hadn't asked properly. And I went door to door just inviting people. Mm. And, you know, people came. Yeah, People helped us build our school. People helped us define our school. And mm. it was just really all about creating that right kind of relationship yeah. and so I think that really kind of drew me mm-hmm. into the work when I was kind of hit right in the face with mm-hmm. people doubting yeah you could have relationships and get people involved and give them a voice mm-hmm. and and so a little bit of success probably motivated me to, to keep working on it yeah so yeah so now I work for education equity consultants and you know that's great fun we go into schools mm-hmm. and I I will say it's great fun, but it's not always fun. Mm. I know. Like, Why you know, not? Well, Why you know, not? <laughs> the pushback is hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Sharita, I should tell you, we did a workshop together, and I won't say the school district. Yeah. But the next one we did was focused on white privilege. Yeah. And white privilege for some folks, uh, you know, people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But they have to talk about it. Yeah. And so that's when it's not really fun because mm-hmm. you see the person across from you. Who has the same color of skin as you do not willing to have the conversation yeah and we have to kind of force them to have the conversation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's the not so fun part but it's the highly necessary part yeah yeah and so what do you see uh, as an outcome of that work so specifically the work with um education equity consultants working directly with teachers who are impacting the lives of our students um so what do you see as a specific outcome of that work in my mind the biggest outcome is them being willing to have the courageous conversation in the future yeah and convincing them that you got to look at the data and Mm -hmm. you don't rationalize away the data yeah the data doesn't lie Mm -hmm. if there's a discrepancy between um how many students are being suspended from school and the discrepancy is by race Mm -hmm. you can't hang your hat on well they must have broken the rules more often Mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself well why did that happen why did that teacher turn in that student what's going on in that classroom to cause the student to maybe exhibit some behaviors Mm -hmm. that aren't acceptable to the teacher Mm -hmm. instead of just saying well the kid did this Mm -hmm. you have to get them to be willing to look into their own biases Mm -hmm. and their own relationships Mm -hmm. to take that data analyze it and work to make it different yeah absolutely not just accept it as that's the way it's going to be that's the way it has been that's the way it's going to be and we continue that cycle right yeah yeah they have to confront their own their own biases and their own issues of racism in order to be more accepting to parents Mm -hmm. more accepting to kids and Mm -hmm. quite honestly more accepting to each other oh my gosh you know there's you know we hear stories of african-american teachers feeling like their voice isn't valued in the school yes and it's up to white teachers to fix that Mm. it's not up to black teachers to fix it it's Mm -hmm. up to white teachers to fix that Mm -hmm. and um so having those engaging conversations with them and and letting them have the opportunity to hear each other yeah and understand each other's viewpoints so maybe hopefully yeah it will change. That's good. That's good. The work is multifaceted. Looking at, you know, uh, educators themselves are doing that internal work, the work across, mm-hmm. you know, your your, your school uh, with administration, mm-hmm. with your teachers, your your, your co-teachers, whoever that may be, um, so that, do, that it does translate. It does translate yeah. into the work that's done in the classroom. So absolutely. So um, I want to speak a little bit or just ask a little bit about um, – your thoughts on the importance of um, top-down approach. So the research shows that in order for any um, equity work to be mm-hmm. sustainable, 
uh, for conversations around race and racism and the culture of a community organization, a business, a school. It has to be um, a top-down approach to be effective mm -hmm. and sustainable. Um, so can you speak a little bit to your um, thoughts or approach on that, whether that be now or what you've done in the past? Oh, sure. Um, boy, when we started the equity work in Webster, mm -hmm. it started because the superintendent, Brent Underwood, I was assistant superintendent mm -hmm. before I became superintendent, but Brent went to the seven-day Dismantling Racism Institute. Okay. And then Brent came back and hired me mm -hmm. and invited me to go the next summer. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. And the two of us together then said, we have to bring this work to our administrative team. So we did our administrative team first. Mm -hmm. um, and then built there in terms of they did their personal work yeah. and they continued to do their personal work yeah. and then we started adding teachers to the work yeah but if you don't have the buy-in i believe that top person your superintendent mm -hmm. then you're not going to have the budget to do it mm -hmm. you're not going to have the time to do it and you're not going to have that role model out there mm -hmm. that says you know i went through this i'm continuing to participate in this work mm -hmm. i'm examining myself i'm yeah. letting myself be vulnerable yeah i'm letting myself feel the pain of mm -hmm. my past actions my past words so i can learn from that yeah and that demonstrates the need for everybody else to do it. It's yeah. like you've got somebody in your court mm -hmm. as you're going through, especially, you know, I can speak from this as a white person because I'm, I'm white. Are um, you now? Yeah, how about it? <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking the people on the other side of the mic might not know. I don't know. Uh, but uh, um, there's a fear of some white people that's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And so if the top person could allow themselves to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and hurt and learn and grow, mm -hmm. then the person that's working alongside of them or a little bit below them, I, yeah. I hate to think of it that way, but yeah, yeah. at a different location in the organization will we'll follow suit and do yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. When we go into school districts now, I always worry when the superintendent really hasn't participated at a deep level yet. Yeah. I worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, you know, that that's certainly a worry. Um because that's like othering, like mm -hmm. you know, that's for them, that's their work, right. and not necessarily my work. Oh, I don't need it. And it, it. doesn't stick. Yeah, I don't need it. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you can't portray the image that everybody continues to learn and grow, and we talk about it being a journey, mm -hmm. it's a journey because it's never over. You have to continue to work on yourself. Yeah, it's not you know go to one workshop and be done. It's a continual life work mm -hmm. to continue to be a better person. Mm -hmm. What were some of the responses from the teachers that went through? A lot of them, I think, were amazed by the um, the depth of the discussions, mm -hmm. and um, most of them, I, I would say almost all of them, would tell us it's the best professional development work they've done in their mm -hmm. lifetime, mm -hmm. that they changed who they were as a person. Absolutely. And that, that, that actually changes an educator. Yeah, and know? that actually changed my life. I, that changed the trajectory of, like, what I did in exactly. education. And mm -hmm. um, so, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and we had some, some teachers yeah. that have come up to us. I remember a teacher from the Kansas City area that where we were working a couple of summers mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, she goes, I need to finish my education, then I need to help you folks with this work. Wow, wow. And I thought, we need people like her. Absolutely. We need, need people that have a deep experience and want to own it and want to carry it and continue mm -hmm. it into the future. Mm -hmm. What? So. How'd you handle the pushback? Because I know there was some pushback. <laughs> well, you know, the pushback is just, we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. And if, you know, quite honestly, if you don't want to do this kind of work, maybe this isn't the place mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And and that's all right. If you don't want to work here, okay. Yeah. You know, we, we built into the system that every new, new teacher in mm -hmm. their second year participates mm -hmm. 
in a summer retreat focused on social justice and then four full days during the year and mm-hmm. um and you know if they don't want to do that then they don't have to work here absolutely so okay, you have to well, set the tone you, you know said, absolutely yeah so what, what would you recommend to other leaders other other school leaders community leaders that you know mm-hmm. maybe that is their thought that you know the teachers go through it and i don't have to or you know what i mean what, well, what i think you gotta be a role model yeah. you know you gotta live with you and everybody else to live if you yeah. want them to live as continued learners as people that are going to explore their own biases and their their own isms that they mm. carry with them, mm-hmm. then you got to do it yourself, and mm-hmm. you, you got to show your families you're doing that. You got to use your voice strong when things don't go well. I think uh, you know sometimes as administrators, especially as you know superintendents, where yeah. you might get quoted in the paper, you end up on Facebook. Yeah. You know, even if you're not on Facebook, clearly somebody's putting you on mm-hmm. Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. you worry about saying the right thing and, and doing the right thing. Yeah. And what are people going to say? Yeah, those perceptions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I want them to be angry at me mm. for doing the right thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, and sometimes that's okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I know that your legacy does live on. Um, the current superintendent, mm-hmm. which was my principal, yeah. Johnson, yeah. is he was doing my great work. Superintendent. Yeah. Great guy. He's doing great work. Yeah. Great work to great continue guy. that. So, yes. so absolutely glad that that you've left that and it continues. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so let's shift a little bit. So, what are you reading? Um, or thinking about that would be um, an asset to those who are invested mm-hmm. in social justice and education. Um, what, what 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 are you reading right now? I'll tell you. I actually wrote it down because because oh, nice. I'm, I'm so bad at names. <laughs> okay. I feel like I don't honor people, but I just got the book Bl- Blind Spot, mm. and it's about implicit bias by yeah. Banaji and Greenwald. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked that up. Actually, Tony gave it to me um, because we use the work of Dushaw Hockett. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. He's mm-hmm. out of the National Equity project Mm -hmm. at the Kerwin Institute for the study of race and ethnicity at Ohio State okay but um, he's got a video on YouTube about implicit bias and and one piece that really resonated with me and Tony as well is he talks about you know when we do social justice work we say no shame blame or guilt Mm -hmm. and he really goes into what's the difference between shaming and guilt Mm -hmm. and you know guilt is you did something it was wrong you can repair it but when you shame somebody, you're shaming who they are. Yeah, yeah. And so as we go through implicit bias work, we need to let people feel a little bit of guilt. Yeah. So they identify what they did wrong, mm-hmm. fix it, don't do it again, mm-hmm. learn from it. But we don't want to shame them so badly that they'll never come into the work. Yeah. Where they feel like they're a bad person, they can't fix that. Yeah. That's who they are. And you know, how often do we do that to kids too? Oh my God. They make a mistake in a school. We should, you know, yep, you made a mistake. Here's the consequence. Mm-hmm. You're not a bad person. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go on to exactly. grade it three define and four. And it doesn't, right, absolutely. Right. It doesn't define mm-hmm. you. And so when you shame someone, it defines them. Mm-hmm. It, it um, really gives them the message that they're a bad person mm-hmm. and there's nothing worth changing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason for them to get better. So, yeah. um, so when we do this work, we have to be sure that we let people feel guilty for a while. Mm. That's natural. And necessary. But we don't shame them yeah. because we want them to continue in the work. And nice. so um, he also talks about, and a couple other authors talk about, the whole piece of the importance of looking at implicit bias mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, because now it's, you know, not as socially acceptable to be bluntly yeah. racist, um, to have, you know, racist policies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of implicit bias that yeah. continues. Yeah. And so we really have to work on that implicit bias. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Pocket talks about that it permeates all of us. It mm-hmm. permeates the system. It mm-hmm. permeates society. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's so hidden we don't white people don't see it. Yeah. And I think sometimes black people don't see yeah, it. Yeah. Because they're so used to so it. So used to it. Yeah. Absolutely. So they, you know, they don't see it anymore. Yeah. Um, and so we really have to work hard at that. And mm-hmm. that's where we need to start really working hard to help people see and identify yeah. those microaggressions mm-hmm. that really create a deep hurt in mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and deep damage in, mm-hmm. in kids and adults. Yeah. So. Yeah, being able to know what it is. Like, for a lot of times, it's just a feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, that didn't feel right. And you you feel a little shade or shame Mm -hmm. or whatever. But being able to identify what it is, where it comes from, will certainly, you know, prompt us to better learn how to stop doing it or respond to Mm -hmm. it if it happens to us. Right. Helping people really look at their past, look Mm -hmm. at the things that impacted their past Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, a cycle of things that happened to them to build those biases. And if you spend time really thinking about how you grew up, who Mm -hmm. you grew up with, what did your church say? What did your TV say? What did the media say? What are all those things just got you know, planted in your brain that impact what you do and say today. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting people to really think about that so that they become cognizant of what's happening around them yeah. and what's happening that they're exhibiting, whether it be through thoughts or actions mm-hmm. or voice. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. So what is next for you? Well, you know, I'll continue to work with yeah. education equity consultants. And then I'm also um, in charge of a new superintendent's academy for the Missouri Association of School Administrators. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so my hope is to bring some of that implicit nice. bias training into some of the new superintendent training. Nice. Um, because even, um, you know, Missouri's got like over 500 school districts. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I, I mean, I kid you not, they have less than 200 kids in the school district. Mm. Not the school. Oh, the entire district. district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. You know, so they don't always get the chance to have that learning and yet they're in a diverse environment Mm -hmm. sometimes surprisingly so um but um getting that work to be started at that level so superintendents start understanding what it is they have to do as the district leader to make sure that diversity is honored respected that they you know look for things that are um bring systematic uh, bias and inequities into their district how are they using that information to really think and and work on that yeah and hopefully that'll just you know get them prompting to even start like oh this is important work and exactly as i go into the door as superintendent and leading this charge that's a that's a priority even if i just give them a taste and help them understand the importance of it then i can direct them to other locations where they might get more deeply involved so wonderful wonderful okay so any final thoughts for our listening community yeah just get involved in your community um you know we have the alliance for interracial dignity in webster and Mm -hmm. you know we started off with being happy if we'd have 30 people come to our meetings and now you know sometimes we have over 100 and that's you know terrific so Mm -hmm. but that's community members coming out and and uh talking about inequity talking about racism Mm -hmm. trying to understand each other and Mm -hmm. trying to get to know each other yeah you know one thing we talk about is getting to know your neighbors and getting to know the neighbors that don't live right beside you getting to know the people that don't look exactly like you absolutely you know step out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. um and i think the other the other big piece that i think a lot about is it's a quote by martin luther king and i never get it exactly right but i know the the gist of it it's basically your enemies will soon forget what you say Mm -hmm. 
but your friends will never forget your silence. Mm-hmm. And so learning to use your voice mm-hmm. to stand up even when it's not easy. It yeah. could be to your best friend yeah. that just said something that was hurtful to your other friends sitting right here. Mm-hmm. You got to stand up and say so. Yeah. There's inequities in your school, in your church, in your community, in your neighborhood. You got to say so. Yeah. And you got to use that voice for the right thing. You know, you mentioned earlier about when I mentioned I'm a lobbyist. Um, we've got to all figure out, we've got a voice in this world. Absolutely. We've got a voice in this country. We've mm-hmm. got a voice in our community. Mm-hmm. And um, educators have a strong voice. Mm-hmm. And believe me, when you look at the number of educators in the state of Missouri, mm-hmm. when we get together and use our voice, yeah. we get things done. Yeah. And so it's time for us to come together and use our voice and get things done yeah, that's for good. Missouri and for the United States, quite honestly. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good. Thank you for driving that point home, because that's one of the things um, that, of course, doing this work, you know, in uh, the end of workshops or trainings, you'll actually, mm-hmm. you'll always get that question. So what do I do? What can mm-hmm. I do? Um, and just having those tangible things mm-hmm. to have people reflect. You're a part of a community. You vote. Exactly. You may be a part of a PTA. You have a voice mm-hmm. at work. Like, all, all the things you mentioned, all the spaces you mentioned, use your voice to reflect on not just your own experience, but how this affects everybody. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. No problem. Imparting that, and I certainly thank you for joining us today and using your voice um, for social justice and education. This um, information that you have shared today, I'm sure, will be um, rich and needed um, context for um, those who listen to the Educators for Social Justice podcast and those in our community that need to hear uh, what you have to say and hear about the work that you have done. So thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. So in closing, I want um, to offer the following events um, that will be happening with Educators for Social Justice um, coming up very soon here in St. Louis on Saturday, February 24th. um, Educators for Social Justice will host their 13th annual Educating for Change curriculum conference at Wydown Middle School. And the theme is Building Counter-Narratives for racial healing and hope. So you can visit the website, um, www.educatorsforsocialjustice.org to to, uh, RSVP RSVP and learn more about the workshop. Also on Sunday, April 11th, um, Racial Equity Curriculum Partnership with We Stories will be held uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. at Lolly's Place. Again, you can register um, and get more information about that event at um, educatorsforsocialjustice.org. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we will talk with you soon.